Hey ladies and gentlemen, this is a GDP Minute brought to you by Lexi Matthews. I am a producer here at GDP and hey, welcome to season 7, episode 1. We just sat down with Connor and Jack, who of course you recognize from most of the other episodes, but uh, Connor's actually behind the or in front of the camera being interviewed this episode. Uh, we sat down to talk about the latest GDP project, the new GDP movie coming to a theater near you in the not too distant future, but a little far away. Right now we're shooting some behind the scenes footage, doing some interviews about what the actual movie process is going to look like. And this is our very first episode. Uh, we sat down with Connor and Jack to tell us about what the actual process of making a movie, a Boston-based movie, is all about. And uh, I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. Uh, keep tuning in to season seven. We're going to be talking about all that it takes to make a movie, talking to everyone who kind of takes part in it. And we're going to provide a nice little behind the scenes look at what this movie is and what GDP is really. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you so much. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just, you forgot to enter. Okay, here we are. My name is Lexi Matthews, and this is GDP, the Director's Cut, Episode 1. Who do we have on the pod today? This is uh, Jack Bigelow. This is Connor Hallway, but not Big Bochy, because I'm not in host mode today. And what are your two's roles on this project? Uh, my role is to be a producer and a behind the scenes kind of guy doing graphics and making sure everything on set is a-okay before i talk i just want to say hey thank you for doing this i think the more episodes you run you're gonna get in like a really good groove and you start ripping it but it's we want to have the behind the scenes content so that we can document the entire thing so when it's a big hit and when GDP grows, everyone can see like the, the steps that it took. And we could not have done it without your help, especially the past four or five months. So thank you. Thank you. And uh, Connor, what's your role here? So I would be called the director on this. And I would also be called like the star of the film. But my real role is just being a massive producer and juggling every plate to just make sure that the project gets done. I would say I would I used to be like dude what the fuck the producers do like what do producers even do and then you realize oh shit I gotta be the one to manage every single part of this project to get it done now there's some glory in it for me but I would agree I would say Jack is most definitely although Jack does a lot of the graphics me and him are pretty much on the same page like all right we, this is just what we have to do to get the project done so he's been doing a ton of stuff and how did you two first come up with the idea for this project you want to start? Well, um, so many years ago, um, after Connor had left Providence College and uh, and we had done a large concert in Boston after he graduated, we uh, we wanted to decide what were our next our next steps were, and uh, we wanted to get back into the filmmaking that we had done previously. And but we knew before we were able to do that that we had to build something in Boston and that was the podcast. And so we knew once we had the podcast set that the uh, the film would be soon after. 
I think I've had this idea since I was 16 because I used to drive on this road called Sherman's Bridge in Sudbury and I would play Take Care by Drake and I was always amazed that Drake like built his own thing out of his own city and I was like I don't ever want to go to New York or LA and like try to like toss it up for chance that a casting director likes me and like that's how like I make it an entertainment so I just had I had this concept since I was like 16 like damn no we have to make like the take care for whatever we have in Boston and then I think it was actually right before the concert is when we said we had to make the movie like I think I was we were like yo this was just gonna sell out like what's the next big step it was like that that is true it was like right before the concert like maybe a week before the concert where we were driving and we were talking about it those those days all kind of melt together it is the the concept of time is like crazy right now yeah especially in quarantine it's just like it's crazy that it's been two years since over two years like it's been two years since the middle east so it's been like over two years since we've been building in boston it seems like we started like yesterday yeah i mean honestly two years blew by like disgustingly and also what's interesting is you'll see like when you get to our age you're in this like rhythm of school and like your schedule's like school 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 summer break winter break school once you graduate you're like damn like i really have the rest of my life like Mm -hmm. do whatever i want it's wild when did you guys decide that the podcast had reached a place where you felt comfortable to move forward with the movie? Um, I don't know if it was more the podcast. I think it was more of a, a personal thing where we were really looking to do something that gave us more purpose and more fulfilling for us. It was something that we'd been talking about for so long and we just kept on putting it off not putting it off but just kind of festering over it and um i think we were at this point where like we either do it now or it gets kind of just pushed under the rug and and we felt like we owed it to ourselves to to make it happen we owed it to you know the people that we've told that we were going to do it and so that was really the big thing honestly I still don't think it's the right time to do this, but one thing I've realized through action over the past like four months is like, I don't think it's ever going to be the right time to do any of this shit and you just have to do shit. It's just like the podcast, like, you know, we move so fast and it's like, all right, let's get this done, get this done, get this done. That's the only thing that I think has proven to me over the past like four years that actually will provide growth. And so if it's not this project that makes the impact we want to do it, I'll, I'll make another movie. I don't care, but like, that's the goal. And I know the only way we're going to get there is by actually doing it. I think a lot of people like disguise perfection. Like people want to make perfect stuff all the time and that's sweet. And you should care about what you make. But I also think people use like, Oh, it's not perfect. I'm not going to do it yet. I think it's kind of an insecurity thing. And so I think that's kind of what I was doing at least for a long time. And what do you think, Connor, is still holding you back from feeling a thousand percent ready to do this? I just, I hate like talking about stuff before it's done. Like what if we like finish this podcast and then the theater's like, 
uh, dude, you want to make this type of production in our theater? Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? So I'm just, like, always on that anxiety edge. Like, okay, we'll just, like, a little day, day by day, day by day. I, per- I personally feel like we're ready because, like Connor said, there is there is no time to be com- completely ready. Um, there's no such thing as perfection. I mean, we're always searching for perfection, but you're never going to get there. So it was just about a time of just getting her done, making it happen. I also think that, like Jack was saying, like I just, I feel frustrated all the time. And it's like messed up, but it's the truth. Like I constantly feel stifled. And so it's only in moments like these where we're like, okay, this is way out of our comfort zone where we get better and then we like grow. And so that's something I'm pretty stoked about with this project. That's hard. It's so hard and it's dope because it's a challenge, but anything to say Aquaman? I mean, I, f- I feel the same way. I wanted to, you know, the podcast is one thing. But we've gotten it down to a science, basically. And it's become almost kind of comfortable for us. And I was getting frustrated with being in that comfortable position. And I wanted to be a little uncomfortable. And so big projects, events, a short film. I mean, those are things that push you. And uh, and I'm just excited for it, like you said. I want to do lit shit in this city. Like, that's always been important to me. Who else is going to do this? You know what I'm saying? I want to show people like what we can actually do given the resources in this city. You know what I'm saying? Has this ever kind of been done before? We'll see once we get it done. You know what I'm saying? But I think that we could go to New York or LA pretty easily and do this stuff. But like, what's unique about that? Who's like building in their own city? It's weird being interviewed. I'm so used to being like Big Boji. It's strange. (laughs) So taking it back a little bit, what was the first steps like in deciding to make a movie? What was the first thing you did after you decided, okay, I want to do this? Well, we had made, I don't know if, have you seen Adderall Boy yet? Mm -hmm. You saw it? Mm -hmm. So that was the first film we made way back. I think right after that, I had started writing this in like early 2018 I had this idea for like an apocalypse. I knew like that movie theater, we were like hanging around that movie theater. And I was like, okay, this would kind of be a good place to shoot something. Um, It's just, I got really disciplined like 15 months ago with everything on my day to day, like writing five things down, getting five things done. I I would never had the ability to actually sit and write. And so I, I think sometime last summer I was like, all right, I'm going to write like a scene a day. And so we got to this point where I was like writing a scene a day and a shot list a day for this concept. And then from, it got so boring. It got so boring. Like writing is so boring. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think it's a blast. No, revising your work is whack. It's so boring. But I think, uh, I think at a certain point we're like, all right, the story's done. I remember I was in a Whole Foods parking lot and I was like, yo, I have the ending for this thing. And Jack and there's a, a my friend, Jack's arch nemesis, Seabass, who I wrote this with, he's a Marine. Um, I was like, I think this is the ending. And they were like, yeah, I think that would make a good ending. So I think that was in like January when we had like, okay, that's the start, middle, end. Um, well, you're missing one little part where we actually started shooting 
a short film. Oh wow! Like two, two, three years ago, like right after we, like right after, dropped Adderall Boy, right? yeah, dropped Adderall Boy. We actually started doing a second short film, and I'm not really sure what happened, but there was just it wasn't in the pieces, and I think we got bored. I think we just got kind of bored with it, and we realized that it, we didn't really have like a story for it. It was kind of like a just kind of free ball in it. And, uh, and so we stopped doing it and we focused on the, on the concert that we had and focused on doing the podcast and the film kind of went in the back burner. Film requires so much focus, which is something you work with us, you know, it's something I have to always have these little things moving at once. It is very hard for me to stick to one project. That's just like my nature. Like I need a million things going on at once. So I think that's why we dropped the ball in the first one. But yeah, we definitely did shoot a piece of this film in 2018. And then just we're like, uh, I don't know. I kind of just want to sell some t-shirts, bro. <laughs> so what made you guys shift your focus onto this project? What changed to make you say, okay, we're going to sit down and do this? Well, I, I think both me and Connor were kind of pissed off, honestly. I think we were just like getting frustrated. Um, I mean, we've been doing the podcast. The podcast was doing great. And even though the podcast was doing great, me and Connor were still kind of frustrated. And I think it was because we... Frustrated by what? Just uh, the stagnancy? Yeah, just kind of... uh, There wasn't as much excitement and we didn't feel like we were being pushed enough or everything was just a little too comfortable. And I think in those moments you get kind of agitated and antsy. And that's kind of how me and Connor were feeling. And so... We both had many conversations over the last year or two, and we knew that we had to do something, and the film was always something that we wanted to do. And so we thought, hey, it's, I mean, we might as well do it now because we're fucking dying. Okay. <laughs> I guess we're dying. Um, I think it was in the quarantine that we're like, all right, listen, we got all the time in the world now to plan this. So like, let's plan this. And I th- so I think it really started like batting down the hatchet in April. One thing I will say about this project is like the way I see it. And I hate hyping it up to be like the biggest thing in the world. Cause I like the idea of like, okay, after this one, I'll have another one. But the way I see it is it actually will mark a point in my relationship with Jack and GDP. Like, okay, this has always been like one of these big goals. Like we have to go get this done. And I think we'll probably reassess everything we're doing after that. The pod, I promise you the podcast will never stop. We'll still drop an episode every single week because I do love running the podcast and I love seeing the, the week to week growth. But, um, I think after this creative explosion of what we're trying to make, I think then, Jack and I will probably reassess like, all right, where, what do you want to do? What do I want to do? Where do you want to take this? How do we want to change this? Would you agree? I would agree. I would agree. Get the, get the film done first, step by step. Don't, uh, don't focus on the future. Just, uh, live in the present, get the film done. So taking about, taking it back about two years ago when you started writing the film, what was the writing process like for you? I was heavy on the sauce back then when I started. You were still in college when you started writing? I was cracked out, baby. Whoa. I started writing this where I edited Adderall Boy. It was at MIT. Don't tell anyone. There's a secret layer there. There's this 
common room. It's in the mathematics department. You talked about this with Micah Ponte. Yeah, so there's this there's this little lab that I would always go to because I'd be like, all right, if I was at school, I'd be so distracted, and I'd love driving back and forth from Providence to Boston. And so I knew how to get into this lab, and I was like, I know no one's going to talk to me at MIT. It's geek nation, dude, right? So they also had a kitchen there in the little the little lair. Mm-hmm. So I would bring, I'd be able to bring food in there and also do work. So that's back when my Adderall abuse was bad. I'd be popping like, I'd be popping a ridiculous amount of Adderall. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I didn't know. I it's so weird how it affects you because what I would do is I would take like a thirty milligram Adderall at like one p.m. and then there are these small pills, like these ten milligram pills, and I'd be like, all right, listen, if I take one of these at 5 p.m., then I'll be fine. And then I'd be like, ah, I'd pop and I'd be like, I don't really feel it. So I'm just going to do another one. Mm-hmm. And then I would do that for like four more pills. And it'd be game over. It'd be like 100 yeah. milligrams deep. And I'd be like walking around like a zombie, literally through the campus. I couldn't talk to people. I was like chattering my teeth. Anyway, that's where it had started was I was trying to piece all these things together on the whiteboards. I'd write up on the whiteboards at MIT, kind of like Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. And um, nothing ever came from it because I was literally like, okay, this is how you write a movie. You should just get sped way out and you'll come up with some crazy ideas. The ideas were so bad, insanely bad. And then um, from there, I always had the concept though. Like I, I'm like, okay, this would be a cool idea. And then I guess we'll see once we continue shooting if it's actually a good idea. I mean, I don't know really where to go from there. I mean, <laughs> it was uh, it was true. I mean, I would show up. To, Connor would tell me that it was at MIT, and I would show up, and he would be uh, he would have like his clothes like like on different tables. Like he would have like his meals like in every corner of the room. He like slept there a few nights. Like I mean, it was absurd. And we did, yeah, we did talk about making a film, and we talked about zombies and all types of stuff. And and it, uh, yeah, kind of grew from there. A big movie that inspired this, I was watching at the time, was Ex Machina. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Fire, so dope. I that's one movie I was watching a lot when we were writing this. I was also watching um Troy a lot, mm-hmm. the Brad Pitt movie. Yeah. A.K. the goat. You're not allowed to say it because you got a boyfriend, but yeah, that's the goat right there. Young Achilles. But how did you know you didn't? You wanted this to be a Boston-based film, but you didn't want it to feel like a like a Ben Affleck regular. There's nothing wrong with Ben. Not that there's anything wrong with Ben. Yeah. You didn't want it to be like a typical Boston Southie movie, right? I think that there's. How many movies have you seen out of Boston that feature like three Irish dudes, an FBI? agent and then a crooked cop yeah like a dozen that's how everybody pictures boston you live here you kind of live here it that's not boston Mm -hmm. it's actually a very small pocket of boston yeah like you could even go to southie and you wouldn't even see that there are there when we used to be at the warehouse there are little neighborhoods like that but i think we need to show a reflection of like what actually is going on in the city if we can That'd be an awesome, if we can get that done with the project, that would be sweet. I also surprisingly like really have a terrible, like fake Boston accent. I, I can't even do it. People ask me to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. I like, can't even, my dad has a thick one. And so I feel like, so emasculated every time I'm around <laughs> him. 
but sometimes I'll like slurm. I'll say cherry instead of like cherry. I'll say like cherry. Sometimes I'll just like be a chameleon and try to fit in with everybody. So, uh, when, when did you get the script done? When were you happy with it? Still not done. So (laughs) Jack and I were literally just talking about it. Um, it was too, it's been too long. And so everyone's just like, yo, this is too long. So we've just been cutting stuff and cutting stuff and cutting stuff. But I think all the basic ideas we probably had done, like, when did we add that South scene where, where he like, he's in the loading bay. With coach, yes, I think at least the last like two, two and a half months. Then once you were finished with the writing, if you were happy enough with it, where did you go from there? Then it was just draft after draft, change little changes there, little changes there, cut this, add this. Does this does this you know develop the character enough? Um, are there enough Easter eggs, like all that kind of stuff? Just the little stuff to make sure that the the film and the project was tight and. It was what we wanted, or at least close to what we wanted. I'm in that execution mode right now where it's like, all right, we just have to get things done. It wasn't until late May where I gave myself a date saying, all right, we're going to start this in late August, no matter what. It's as soon as I put that on the Google calendar, then it seems like everything's just spiraled into it because it's like, all right, that's when we have to start. You're very deadline oriented. I feel like it's a good way to be. It is. Are you deadline oriented? I am, 100%. Are you, Jack? I'm not sure. Be honest with you. I don't, I don't think I am, be honest with you. No shot. <laughs> Absolutely not. Who uh, who hosted Deadline NBC? Was that Dateline? Dateline. Was that Barbara Walters? No. Oh! <laughs> um, so, now that you've actually been working on it, working more on set, on the scene, stuff like that. What has that process been like for you guys? I mean, we deadass just started yesterday. So we're, I hope we can do a reunion episode in like three weeks mm-hmm. and we'll have a better idea. Um, but you can speak to that. You were there yesterday throwing balls into the holes in the But arcade. besides just writing, <laughs> you guys have been busy doing other stuff, arranging for the film, getting things to fall into place. What has that been like? I mean... All the all the little stuff. I mean, it's necessary, but it's not it's not the most fun. To be honest with you, um, it's just kind of like a lot of busy work and making sure all the pieces are there and making sure we have, you know, the costumes and the all the extra stuff and making sure we the cast is happy and all the s- sets are ready and you know dates are set and that that's the stuff that we're really focusing on right now to make sure when we get to the shoots that everything runs as smoothly as possible. And that way, if th- something does happen while we're at set, we can deal with it without having to worry about anything else that we might have missed previously. Also, early in the process, on a graphic tip, I was like, all right, like, there's going to be a bunch of... Jack's very handy. Outside of graphic design stuff, he's good at building stuff. And I was like, all right, how can I make this, like, fun for Jack and like have a bunch of just like very small creative projects worked in. And so I sent him a list like two months ago. I'm like, all right, these are the things we need. And so I think you've been hacking away at those for the most part. Are those posters done by the way? Uh, they're not printed, but they're like, let's go print those today. Designed and stuff. Not all of them, but most of them. Let's literally get that done ASAP. How do we cut that scene now? But I still want to place them throughout the theater. Okay. Just as like little Easter eggs little Derek like 
And what about the soap dispenser? That one's done. Okay. But it has to be printed. Special, special print. A lot of these are special print just based off the dimensions and stuff. Same with the bottle? Yeah, because once, once you get past 8.5 by 11, things get a little complicated. But it's, it's not 8.5 by 11. It's long. So when you just print it the horizontal way? I think it's like 13 or 14 inches long. Around the bottle? It's one of those big ass Gatorade bottles. I'll tell anyone. Okay. And uh, we should get that done today, though. Thirty-two ounces. We should get that done today, though. Okay. What's been one of the most challenging obstacles in getting all this to come together so far? I like literally can't confidently like I'm nervous just saying stuff just because it's like I feel like everything is balancing on my hand right now and mm-hmm. like like the. Two things felt there yesterday, just like that. I will tell you this much. I don't know how long it's going to take. Things are going to come up. Bad shit's going to happen. It's going to fall through. That's literally just the name of the game. I will get the project done, though. I will promise you that. I forget what the question was, but that's literally what's been rattling through my mind. That's what's been challenging for you? Challenging was landing our location. Mm -hmm. That was very challenging because they have a very... Um, hands off like management so it's really hard to get in touch with the ownership but once I did and I made a compelling sales pitch that guy was like dude you're crazy we're gonna give it to you <laughs> what's been challenging for you Jack um, besides you know going through the the whole script and um, you know cutting it down and making the small edits like that's that in itself is really just a pain in the butt but um I don't know, just kind of like the anticipation and the constant waiting. Um, I think that's tough. Like I'd rather just kind of get in there and get her done and then worry about stuff once we have it filmed. But I mean, I'm how important the preparation is. Correct. I mean, it it definitely is important to be prepared 100%. And so being patient, I guess, is a tough one for me. As long as we have the shot list like printed, as long as we have the shot list printed, and and then I can just be producer as long as we have that and we're just like alright this is the hours we have that's what we have to get done we'll get it done that's why we gotta finish these shot lists what's been the most rewarding part of the process so far it's just so hard to say because it's just been one day but um, I'll tell you this much Jack and I have thought and this is gonna be fire podcast content so get ready this is what you're gonna want to cut up I'm telling you, this is how all the guests should talk. They should be very honest because people can see honesty like crazy. Jack and I have been thinking a lot about death recently. We talk about it a lot. Jack, I honestly don't even know spiritually where he's at half the time. I don't know where his head's at. Some of his trips, when he goes missing, I don't know what goes through his head. Mm -hmm. But I do know this much. I do know we're on the same page that people get very caught up in the day-to-day and I do too, but ultimately we're all going to croak and it's been happening in our life to people. And I don't want to leave the, this planet with any regret because I was scared of something. This whole thing scares the fuck out of me, the truth. And I was thinking like, whoa, if I don't get this done, I'm going to, let me finish speaking. 
I'm having a profound moment. I'm having a profound moment, and you just blow it. What the fuck? Why don't you do it? Why don't you finish? Sorry, Connor. Um, I don't know. For for me personally, like going off of what Connor just said, um, you know, I think that both me and Connor, we've been gifted with certain aspects and skills that not everyone has. And I think that we realize that it would be a waste and a dishonest or dishonor to ourselves if we didn't use those skills to do something not, not just like in general, but for ourselves, um, as selfishly as that sounds. Um, and so I think that it was basically like, Hey, we kind of have, like kind of have to do something in this realm in order to feel like we've, you know, pushed ourselves to be as much as that we can be. And, uh, I think that's, that's kind of most rewarding thing is doing what, I don't know if what we should be doing, but at least trying to get there and, uh, and pushing ourselves to get there. Back just so I can finish my thoughts on death real quick. Imagine just like you think about doing something your whole life and you never do it cause you're scared. Imagine that. I mean, everyone feels fear. Anyone says they're fearless is lying. But imagine just like being 90 years old and being like, all right, it's all done. Did I get that thing done that I always wanted to do and it was always on my mind? I, I had a conversation with a guy who owns a gas station up the street. Did I tell you about this? Mm-hmm. He's 90 years old and he's kind of sick. And I was talking to him and I was like, so when you like look back on your life, like what do you have any regrets? And he was like, I, he was like, honestly, no, I provided for my family. I, I gave money to my family back in Lebanon. He's an immigrant. Um, I have two regrets though. One of them, and this is a 90 year old man who's about to die. He said he, no, I, I don't want to jinx him, but he doesn't have much time left here and he knows it because he's mentally sharp. He goes, I should have taken more risks. It's a 90 year old dude on the way out. Imagine thinking that like when you're able bodied that you didn't go and send it. That's number one. Number two, he also said I should have never gotten married. So I'll keep that in mind. (laughs) But the thing was, he wasn't joking because he was 90. He was like, I don't think you should get married. And, uh, I mean, you guys, parents are happily married. Mine, uh, Mine were never, so I'll just take that with a grain of salt. So we talked about Adderall Boy a little bit before when we first started off. How do you think this project will be different from Adderall Boy? I mean, it's going to be like a night and day. I mean, I think the one thing that will be the same is that we will have things in there that directly reflect um, our own lives and mostly Connor's life in general. Um. And so I think that's the one consistent, I think. Um, and also the fact that Connor is the, the star of the show. Um, but I think visually and I think you're going to see a huge amount of growth. I mean, I'll watch Adderall Boy once in a while and uh, I'm like still shocked on just how like the shots look and all the audio and stuff. I mean, it's it's pretty comical. I mean, we were really just doing it and flying by the seat of our pants and just trying to figure out things on the way. And now that we're 
a little bit more professional, I would say, and working with professional people, I think it's going to be kind of night and day when it comes to the actual quality of the uh, project. There's one thing that there's a, an Adderall boy that's going to be the same is going to be, all right, we'll just do anything to get this done. Cause that's always been the goal. You, we go in, mind you, we have like five weeks of shooting ahead of us. So who knows what's going to come up, but that's still the spirit is like, okay, what do we have to do to just get the project done? That's what Adderall boy was. That's what all the events are. That's what the podcast is. It works. So we'll do anything to get it done. Um, I think there's less comedic moments in this one for me personally, which is going to be weird for me. Cause I kind of, when I was acting, like I had a pocket where I was really good. Uh, there isn't many, but other than that, Jack's right. It's going to look a lot better. And I hope the story, people like the story too. How do you think your personal lives have changed since Adderall boy? And how do you think that'll be reflected in this film? You want to start with me or Jack? Go ahead. You have a when I made Adderall Boy, I was addicted to Adderall beforehand. But I was in college and I was extremely sociable at the time. Pretty popular dude at my school. Um, I knew a lot of people and I love socializing with people. One thing about the last two years is, although essentially building GDP has just been based off building like a network of a ton of people in the city, it's very isolating. Very. It, not so much now with the team last year, really isolating, very lonely. And so I think, I think this project will reflect that in the screenplay a lot more. It's, it's a lot less like zaniness and it's a lot more like, damn, these dudes have been grinding and it's not just me. Jack and I obviously don't live together, but Jack has also been committed for the last two years to build what we've built thus far yeah i mean i I would say that's actually kind of the biggest difference i mean before adderall boy or during adderall boy that was kind of a big moment in the fact that we kind of took it all a lot more serious once once we dropped that short film um and i you know i saw value in what we were doing even though it's you know, it might not be taken as seriously to others. And I saw value in it and I realized that, Hey, you know, maybe we should run with this thing. And that I say that was the biggest difference, kind of realizing that like, shit, we, we can just kind of follow what we want to do. You know, this is our own lives, do what we want to do. And I think that was the biggest change, honestly. I'd also say I'm way more of a competitive psycho now than I was like, Back then it was like, all right, I just want to like make a project that people like, but I'm like very dead set on being successful much more now than I was then. And I think a lot of the experiences over the last two years have been like, all right, like just like we're working to this point, we're working to this point. Like, are we going to get to that point? I don't think that's how success works. Honestly, as we've had wins, but I think success is very gradual. I think one day you get there and you're just like, yo, this is what it's like. Damn. This is a beat. <laughs> this is whack. So uh, you said earlier this is pretty much the first day of shooting, first day of really starting working. When you're finished with this, what what advice do you want to give yourself now that you hope 
you have learned in the in the end of this project? Don't do it. That's, that just framed us in the interest. One, you're doing a great job with the questions. Thank you. What she's saying so is like you, she's. This is like a time capsule. So like, in like six weeks when we listen to this, what what's the message you want to send yourself? Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right, I got one. Um, be be patient with Connor. That's probably my biggest one, honestly. And just uh. Yeah, we'll get it done. We'll make it happen. Make sure you go hard enough, dude. When you listen to this, make sure over the next six weeks you you leave it all on the field, man. You put it all out there. Because then it's going to be done. And then you'll be moving on to the next one. What do you hope you'll have learned when this is all over? I hope that I have closure with my relationship with Jack. I I never want to be his friend again. <laughs> no, I hope that Jack and I, we've talked about this. I'm a work psycho. Jack and I, Jack is an extremely supportive friend. Insanely supportive. Couldn't find a more loyal friend. And I hope it. you feel that way on the other end. I have had a hard time separating our relationship with work. We're working on it. I hope that this project provides closure for that. And I also hope it just opens up for more opportunities in Boston. And, uh, you know, I hope that we do feel like with this film that we've fulfilled something that we wanted to do. I mean, we're probably honestly being realistic. We're even after this film is all said and done and we do everything we want with the film. Will we be pumped about it? Mm, probably not, honestly. Um, but I think at least we'll feel fulfilled enough that, you know, we, we did it and we put a lot of effort into it. We made something awesome. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing I hope for is just that we feel like even if we're not ecstatic, that we're at least, you know, sort of proud of ourselves that we did it and got it done. All right, you guys ready for a closing bit? Sure. And I want to say thank you for doing this. Yeah, of course. I'm wicked excited to see, because again, when we're like actually in there, I mean, who knows? Because I'll probably just be like a micromanaging psycho. I try to give everyone as much freedom as possible. But um, when we're in there, it's not like the reins are all yours. Yeah. So if you need help on the tech end, you just let me know on how to run episodes. But, uh, dude, you're going to make a sick podcast. I'm ready. Yeah. So our closing bit, of course, the movie's about a zombie apocalypse. We came up with two questions um, specifically for you guys. Is this you, Slugs and Riley? Yeah. Nice. Um, if you could take any member of the GDP squad with you into a zombie apocalypse to help you, who would it be? I'm not taking slugs. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> slugs is just a is full blown panic mode all the time. So she she's first to go on Gilligan's Island easily. And slugs, that's straight from the heart, man. I still love you, man. But you're croaking in the zombie apocalypse easily. Bigs, who are you taking? I don't know who I. I mean, obviously I take Brendan. That guy's a physical force. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be killing slaying zombies. Um. I'd probably, I'd probably take you honestly. I'd probably take Connor because he'd be like, uh, he'd be like, he would think it was his duty to be the first one out there and take like the, 
<laughs> take like the brunt of the hit. And he, yeah, he doesn't eat that much except for like late night. He'll be like, he's like, can I have like the rest of your meal? And I'll be like, dude, come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can go long periods without eating. But honestly, yeah, probably pick Connor because uh, he, he would put it all on the line for sure. Like he wouldn't give up easily. I'm not going to put you on blast, Lexi, but, like, you have to take, like, you have, like, conditions of, like, medication. Like, what happens when they, like, run out of the pharmaceuticals? It's game over. Dead ass. And our second, our follow-up to that is, if you could take any GDP guest from all 200 episodes into the zombie apocalypse with you, who would you take? Oh, that's a great question. These are fire questions. Shit. Can I go back back to the guest? Yeah, go for it. I'll I'll tell you mine. All right, yeah, let's hear it. No, I want I want you to go first. I don't want to I don't want to steal your thunder. I mean, we've done like five thousand episodes. I'll tell you this much for everyone listening into this. I like I've been it's been like not ten days since we ran a podcast and I like miss running it already. I'll I'll be back. Don't you guys worry. All right, can you tell us yours to start? James Devlin. Really? Yeah. He's got a neck problem. Yeah, but he's huge. You want to take him so you can get intimate with him. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to your boyfriend, though. Shout out to your boyfriend. Uh, like, Mike Rosa would be good to take with you just because he's crazy. Or, or, his, or his cousin. Charles. Yeah, Charles. Just big bite people's faces off. I would take also the mountain bike guy we had on a long time ago. It was Nikolai? before I started, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. See, I would take Rob Kearney, but like that dude eats so much food, so yeah. it's like he'd he would be, eat you. Yeah, he'd be eating everybody's food. Um, who's like really smart and like very tactical? Well, Michael Ponte probably understands stuff Michael like Ponte. that, right? <laughs> He's probably like looking at the angles because okay, we gotta go that direction. Dude, have we ever had? That's this is a really good point. We've never had like a Bear Grylls type on the show, right? Well, maybe we'll take the psychic. I, I feel like I feel like someone like maybe like uh in the nutrition field, I would assume maybe. Like maybe they would have some health backgrounds. Or maybe even one of those uh oh never mind. I was gonna say those doctors, but they were wrong about the coronavirus. Apocalypse, no big deal. They trust me, this will all be over soon. They're like, Oh yeah, zombie bite, yeah, they won't do anything. <laughs> that ass. Um me, oh, well, I guess Scott Sigmund, he's a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Scott Sigmund, I definitely need someone with the medical background. Oh, yeah, you're going like the lost route. You need a doctor. Well, I, I just I just know that someone's going to get hurt, and it's probably going to be me. And so I would like <laughs> like someone to take care of me. You know who I can see being pretty good in the apocalypse is Michael Hawley. Yeah. Our other, uh, Riley said uh, Becca Peasy. Well, she just like run up mountains and stuff. Yeah. But she probably would be like, she, you're, you're too slow. Yeah. Yeah, we'd be dust. That's a fire closing question. What did did uh did you ask Frank a similar question? Yeah, we asked him what his plan would be for the zombie apocalypse. And he's like, "Dude, take my camera." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> you know that dude Sammy Pogosov might be kind of good. He might be good. He understands like nutrition and science pretty well. Or the chain evolution people. Joe Kennedy would get a vicious sunburn. He would. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys want to do your closer? Go ahead. Jack can do it. Well, first, did you guys have a good time? 
great time. Thank you so much, Lexi. I'm really excited for this podcast season. I love starting a new podcast because it means I get to do graphics, so I'm pumped. You're going to kill this whole season. We hope everyone enjoys it. Definitely new types of content. Sorry, every time I get interviewed, I always like get depressed and talk <laughs> about death and life and stuff, but we're all good people over here. Go ahead, you do the closing. Hi, my name is Jack Bigelow. My name is Connor Hallway from Golden Deer Productions. And this is our golden hour. It's not though. We've already done one. We've already like <laughs> She asked for both. She wants both. I know, but it you've already had a golden hour. We did the centennial episode, we've done a task force. This was one I'd say this is the D V P director's cut probably. Okay. Alright, we'll redo this one. Go ahead. Hi. My name is Jack Bigelow. My name is Big Handsome. And this is GDP Director's Cut, episode one. Hi, my name is Jack Bigelow. And this is King Lean. And that was our GDP Director's Cut, episode one. Did you get it right? That was perfect. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Good work, man. Nice job, guys. Thank you, thank you.